0: Good afternoon and welcome to I Spit On Your Grades, the Cannibal Edition. Uh, you are joined by me, Fairless, by my lovely co-host, Mercer Mercer. Bonjour! And Christoph Ellis. Hola. Uh, thank you for joining me this week, gentlemen, as always. As you can tell, I don't do the intros that often. Because I don't have a clue what I'm saying. Um, before we move into our picks this week, just wanted to say thank you for the feedback that you've been giving us on the social meds. Um, We had some great cannibal suggestions, but sadly could not go with all of them. Amongst those suggestions were the likes of Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Delicatessen, but most of all, Ravenous came up Quite a bit, which I've never seen, so sorry.
1: And spoiler alert, you still haven't seen it because it didn't win our uh, audience pick.
0: Yeah, that. sorry about that. Um, but definitely one to get on, I think, because a lot of people recommended it. And I think it's got Robert Carlyle in
1: it. It has got yeah. Robert Carlyle in it.
0: Yeah, I seem to recall it doing the rounds years ago, but i never gone on to it myself. It
1: rocks up uh, at this kind of a old-timey thought. And he's a cannibal. So that's essentially the plot. Don't need to watch it now.
2: Guy Pearce is there as well, I believe. I, did, I didn't like Ravenna. Sorry, everyone.
0: Oh, You always like to play controversial, though, Mercer, so... I play games.
2: This is my life, man.
0: No, you don't play games. The Shining. I don't. One of our... I, that wasn't a game. <laughs> i kidding. kidding.
1: One of our best suggestions by the way, with Best Cannibal Films, came from our good friends at Soho Horror Festival, mm-hmm. who came through with
0: Army Hammer's DMs. <laughs> and as I believe I replied, that's too gruesome even for us to cover. So without further ado, shall we move into our first pick? Yeah, okay, let's crack on. As I was the winner last week, and quite rightly so, with Tragedy Girls. That is right, isn't it?
1: You did win last week with <laughs> Tragedy Girls. Whoever is quite right... <laughs> Whether it is quite rightly so is up for debate.
0: It was definitely rightly so. And I just wanted to remind you all, I didn't really forget, that was just a test, well done, you passed. Um, we'll go with my pick first of all. I uh, This might be a bit controversial because it's not listed as a horror and I don't think many people class it as a horror, more of a thriller, but it's in my horror collection. It's definitely on the horror shelf. So I've gone with one's. Hannibal. Now I know that people are going to come at me and say that this isn't as good as Silence of the Lambs. You're entitled to your opinion, your wrong opinion, but I feel that Hannibal deserves its place at the side of Silence of the Lambs for very different reasons. Quick synopsis, uh, Hannibal takes place 10 years after Silence of the Lambs where we see Clarice very much established in her role within the FBI she is under investigation for some controversial moves she pulled at work where she basically killed somebody with a child in their arms but it needed to be done and during this invest well during this period of investigation she is made aware that Hannibal is still out there and does she want to pursue it she eventually does pursue it along with somebody in well along with a police officer in Florence, who also is trying to catch Hannibal, along with a gentleman called Mason Verger. Verger? 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 We'll call him Mason. Verger. 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 Along with Mason, who's also trying to catch Hannibal. So, you know, triple threat. He's got three people after him. Um, It eventually becomes that Clarice is suspended from her role and Mason believes that the only way he will ever lure Hannibal in is by putting Clarice in danger. Enter Reliota, who's a complete piece of shit in this film. I hate him in this film. Um, he plants evidence to have Clarice removed from the FBI for the time being. So Hannibal, of course, comes after her, and uh, we all know what happens from there. I'm going to address, first of all... Julianne Moore, I think it needs to be done. I know Mercer's face certainly screws up whenever you talk about Julianne Moore in the role of Clarice Starling. I I used to be with you, Mercer. I used to hate Julianne Moore in this role, but it's purely because I longed for Jodie Foster. However, the more I've watched the film, and it has been a lot of time since that I've watched the film, I do believe that she does do a good job with this.
2: I think for me, my biggest problem is that obviously Jodie Foster has got, she's got a certain way that she speaks and Julianne Moore tries to emulate Jodie Foster playing Clarice Starling. And it just puts me about, cause I just, it feels wrong.
0: Upon first watch, I would totally agree with you that that is how it seems. However, after multiple watches, and I I go through these phases with the, whatever, Thomas Harris? Yeah. With the Thomas Harris trilogy, whereby if I watch one film, I'll want to watch another straight away. So if I watch Lambs, I'll want to watch the other two. And whatever order it's in, I'll want to watch them. So I've probably watched these three films together close to 50 times. Because I just love watching them together. I don't believe anymore that Julianne Moore does that. I think she tries to bring her own personality to the role. She doesn't go full southern drawl the way that Jodie Foster does in Lambs.
1: I've not seen Hannibal that many times, but just on the couple of times I've seen it, I don't believe she's trying to imitate Jodie Foster all in the way she delivers it. She, I, I think she delivers it in the way that the character's written, but I don't believe at any point she's trying to imitate Jodie Foster in it.
0: But I also see Mercer's point of view in that when you come from Lamb straight into Hannibal, how you would view it like that. And I and I initially did, completely. And just just
2: for clarity, I'm, I don't think she's trying to imitate Jodie Foster. I think she's imitating Jodie Foster playing Clarice Starling. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. I don't get that. I don't see that at all. I just see... I see her playing it the way the books the books have the character written rather than her trying to do Jodie Foster's interpretation of her.
2: I just think it's ten years later, so like the whole acts and, and things like that you can lose, you can drop because she's been living in wherever Washington for ten years, travelling the world. And you do change. Um but you know, that's just my opinion.
0: And we to, we seem to be blaming Julianne Moore for this. And let me tell you, it isn't Julianne Moore's fault. Jodie Foster was offered this role and she turned it down. The reason she turned it down was for a film at the time, which has since never been filmed, by the way. But when asked about it I said, Have you seen Annabelle?" she was like, No comment. She clearly didn't want any part of this role and I don't know if that's to do with like Ridley Scott's directing of it or the way the script's written, but she didn't want a part of it. So we can't blame poor Julianne Moore for Jodie Foster not coming back.
1: Yeah, but you can't blame you can't blame Jodie Foster either though. If she didn't want to be caught up in a typecast doing the two films. As say it's that long later, she's probably had enough she go, Yeah, I've done I've been there now, I've done that role. I've got other things I'd quite happily rather go and do.
0: No, that's fair enough. I just think that Julianne Moore does get a lot of unnecessary hate for the role when it's really not her fault. She's just doing her job. I think in
2: this few minutes that we spoke alone, Julianne Moore has had more airtime on our show than (laughs) any other person in any other episode. I don't know how many times you've said name. Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore.
0: I'm trying to get a sponsor. Don't hate me.
1: i yeah, the uh, welcome to the creation of this big race publicity machine.
0: Now, the thing with Hannibal is there is some cannibalism in it. And obviously we know that Lecter is a cannibal. That's just a known fact. But there isn't a lot of it as much as you would expect from other cannibal films. What gets me more than anything about Hannibal, and especially this time round for some reason, I don't know if it were the five brandies, that I'd had beforehand, but what really struck me is just how much Clarice has grown as a character, and how much she is trying to lose those ties to her past. But Lecter will; it won't ever let her forget them. And I'm not, because I've not read the books. I said this last night because I've not read the books. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Hannibal's intentions are a lot of the time when he's liaising with Clarice it's like does he love her does he hate her does he just want to mock her does he want to make her a better person because he seems to be there at times when she needs him to boost her back up in her career especially but then he taunts her like a five year old in a playground and it's like well what are your intentions here
1: in I mean, I've no idea what his. Well, he need, he needs her because obviously we, he wouldn't keep tracking her down otherwise. So he clearly wants to be wanted. He's so happy when he gets back in the FBI's top ten
0: mm. most
1: wanted list. But she needs him more than anything. He's the one who made her career in the FBI ten years previously. He she's on a downward spiral at this point. She's as it says during the film. She's been on a series of failed drug busts with the DA. Mm. Absolute disasters. She's. She's basically shit at the FBI. But now. she's
0: made good decisions. You see the decisions she's see, made,
1: and she's not the one. You see there, but she's in, in, been involved in a series of awful busts, and as I say, it's clearly that they want. She is being kicked around. As the news is there saying, basically, Clarice Stalin is re- is was leading on this, and her reputation is shit at this point at the bureau. And it's only the point. It's only the fact that Verger comes in and says he wants. He's received this package from Lecter. And he wants Stalin to investigate it. Because I said, it, basically, it's a good job that he's there. He's literally saved your career by us reassigning you to this so we can do damage limitation on the fuck-ups that are already being attributed to you with the Bureau.
0: But that's just her male colleagues trying to get her out of the picture. They treat her with such contempt, and I've no idea why. No,
1: but, I mean, obviously, Virgil does ask for her. He's, the reason she's gone there is he's, he's, uh, he's trying to let her out. Yeah, so he's course, gone yeah, yeah, so he's gone. I want Stalin. So it's not them trying to get rid of her; it. it's him going. I need Stalin. It's an easy
0: out for them. It's an easy out to get rid of her, regardless yeah, of where it's come from. Yeah, it
1: is an easy out because she's had a series of absolutely awful results. Because she's of been her in those, shitty
0: male counterparts. In ten years. Because of her shitty male colleagues. I'm sorry, it is. Well, I, I actually think
2: <laughs> back to your original question. Um, my theory. Of, so I have read the books, but I can't remember them that well. Um, but I get, like, the fact that Starling, in Hannibal's eyes, is the only person who can intellectually match him, which is why he makes it quite difficult for her with the clues. That's why she's the only person he'll deal with after she's gone through right. um, the FBI. And I actually think the contempt from her colleagues is because she busted the biggest case and actually brought celebrity mm. to the FBI. And it was less about, like, the work and more about the celebrity of being an FBI profiler. Yeah. Um And I think that's kind of where the content comes from. And I think that's why she moved into the different kind of work with the drug stuff to escape, like you said, to escape her past of being known for being Clarice Starling, who mm. caught James Gum and pretty much helped Annabelle like to get away. So,
0: I mean she, she's not good in you know not letting him get away this time around as well if you've seen the film obviously you know he does get away um, speaking of Hannibal because obviously this film is about him but it's kind of not um, the fucking balls on this man to do what he does is crazy like if I was in hiding from the FBI I'd be shitting myself every time I saw a police van and he just gives lectures in the middle of Florence and just, you know, like, freaking goes about town as if nothing's wrong. Where do you get the confidence to do that? That's,
1: that's the thing. I know CCTV and international intelligence weren't, obviously, as in-depth as it is now. But you still expect someone will, see, so, someone will have seen something in America where they go, oh, look, Cannibal Ector, famous cannibal in the top ten most wanted list. And gone. hey, that bloke don't half look like him.
0: You would have thought... But as we saw from the film, the uh, the CCTV is the most grainy thing on this planet to the point where she sees the still of fucking Hannibal and he's like, oh, no, it's definitely him. It's like me. It looks like Nosferatu. And to, be look fa- <laughs> like
1: it. and to be fair, there is that scene as well when he, when he gets the photo out when he's ch- trying to match it against the FBI's profile and he's there with a the passport photo and Lecter's got a beard and he's looking at it intently. And- <laughs> I mean, just... <laughs> there are you can see why South Park riff riff so
0: much on this. stuff. that's just what I was gonna say. Oh. <laughs> you can't see the hand gesture I'm doing, but I'm doing a South Park reference there. But yeah, Hannibal is he's a fucking amazing villain or kind of anti villain as well.
1: What are no, you mean anti I mean, hero?
0: Anti hero, sorry. But he's, anti-hero.
1: Not, he's not. not one of but He that. is,
0: but he is like he says because he he, he kills the rude. He prefers to eat the rude, the people who are like a drain on society. So is he doing us a favour?
2: Yeah, he is. And Virgil, Mason, uh, the only surviving victim, is a child molester. So he deserved what he got. He deserved, and, and like, like to making him eat himself. That's what he did, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah? Well, obviously, we never saw this.
1: He gets him to cut his face off, which we see in the flashback. He gets him high as fuck and convinces him to cut off his own face. He deserves
0: that. Anti-hero. There you go. Anti-hero. I think what... Like I said before, it's not... I mean, you do get to see some cannibalism in the film. You do get to see, obviously, Ray Liotta eat his own brain, which he fucking deserves because he is a piece of shit. The character, not Ray Liotta. Not Ray Liotta is. himself. Paul. He's playing Paul. He's he's a proper dickhead in this film. Does my head in just because he got turned down, wanker. Um, but the whole film is. I, I, I love the relationship between. I sound like some sort of, you know, prison pen pal woman here. But I love the whole relationship between Clarice and Hannibal. Their dynamic together. It, I'm. I'm not gonna say it's a love story. It's not a love story. And when, many moons ago, when I was watching this in like early two thousands or whatever, it was kind of when you see Hannibal kiss Clarice, you're a bit like, oh, so yeah, that just happened. And it's, it's you know, but watching it this time, I don't, I don't get that vibe. This time, it's more. It seems like a power move, more than anything, because he can. Quickly, in terms of effects for the film. um, Obviously, Mason Verger looks amazing with his disfigurement. It looks proper weird. I mean, I I said last night, it does look a bit like nanan lips. You know, when your nanans take the false teeth out and the lips go under. That's what his face looks like. But the hog scene, especially, I really enjoy. I think it's a genius. I mean, I don't don't know if this is a thing because I'm not into training animals to kill people but the way they get the hogs all riled up by playing the screams in the background and just getting them all you know top level before going for someone
1: and the classical music playing over it yeah. as well i'm not sure does classical music make pigs want to eat people well
0: it's conditioning isn't it yeah, it's, like it's, it's just getting them in the mindset
1: the condi- it's like the, the conditioning would have to be though the lector rocks up with like a uh, a full rocks it with a full orchestra, or are they just going or are they just taunting Lecter going, you know, you're listening to the Orchestra orchestra while you're being Probably killed. is. In which case that's a really nice thing to do to him. Depends. They may as well just give him a really nice last meal on the way out.
0: That's probably what happened with Mason Verger. They were probably like listening to his favourite favourite classical piece before he made him rip his face yeah. off. It's all taunts, it's all revenge.
1: They you should have put it, they should've gone, Here, Lecter, we're gonna play your latest grime mix. <laughs>
0: Here, have some fucking K pop. I hate K pop, sorry. Is
1: yeah. it called K pop? Daphne's less grace it's yeah, on repeat.
0: I'm not twelve so I don't like it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to summarise, I this there's so many notes I made on this. I got so in depth with it watching it. Um because I adore this film. I'll forever adore this film and again I initially know that I was hating on Julianne Moore but it's, she's grown on me over years, and now I like her in the role. It is a shame they couldn't get Jodie Foster back. Oh, just a quick little tidbit for you. Guess who was down to play the role before Jodie Foster took Lambs? I think I know
2: this.
0: Michelle Pfeiffer Michelle or Pfeiffer. Meg Ryan? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I pulled that face with Meg Ryan. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, mm, nah. And uh, the role for Lecter was considered. For Jack Nicholson and Sean Connery, which we found quite funny because. Clarish. (laughs) Clarish. Could you imagine Sean Connery doing fucking Hannibal (laughs) Hector? No. You love Clarish. More lambs, Clarish. Have they stopped screaming? Oh, I don't know what that were. That were a horrible accent. Anywho, I know there's not a lot of cannibalism in Hannibal. I know it's technically not considered a horror film however the dynamic between the two leads is palpable and the story is amazing and the twists and turns are amazing and Hannibal Lecter as a character is just phenomenal and that's why i think you should pick Hannibal as your best cannibal flick
1: okay so on to my pick next and if you thought Hannibal was a uh, a controversial pick for best cannibal horror, this one may also be up there. But not, because we've already done had this genre mashup in our best winter horror episode. Well sorry, not our best winter horror episode, our best Christmas horror episode from last year, when the amazing Anthony Apocalypse won. Which faithful enough that is clearly a musical.
0: Don't you be comparing this to Anna and the Apocalypse. I'm not going to allow that.
1: Go on, Mercer.
2: Just going to say, Chris, I see what you're doing here. You're looking at past episodes and going, what previously won? Ah, a horror musical.
1: <laughs> all I'm what mi- could I possibly do? All, I, all I'm merely stating is, while this may seem an odd choice for a pick, it's not that... Bizarre, since we've already done a similar style film in a previous genre. And that is why my pick is 2007's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, from Mr. Tim Burton. There you go. Woo! That's No, it.
0: you are not getting applause, One. Iris, just yet. Bring, bring, bring us your arguments.
1: Shall I break it down?
0: Break it down now. Break though. it down
1: now. So... Very quick plot synopsis. Johnny Depp is playing the eponymous Sweeney Todd, or Benjamin Barker, as he was known in a previous life. Before he was convicted of a crime he did not commit, much like the A-Team. He is sent away, yet returns under the new guise of the barber Sweeney Todd to exact his revenge on Judge Turpin played by the always villainously brilliant Alan Rickman. R.I.P. R.I.P. So he's back to exact his revenge and be reunited with his daughter, who, Turpin, has kept imprisoned in his home while also wanting to get married to her, which is a little bit weird, but there you go. Joanna. Joanna. (laughs) I see (laughs) you, Joanna. If that's not enough to vote for this film, I don't know what is. Let's start (laughs) with... The absolute all-star cast, shall we? As I said, Mr. Johnny Depp, Alan Rickman there as well, along with perennial Tim Burton ex-wife. Well, I suppose she will be perennial ex-wife. Well, ex-wife now, wife now yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, Timothy Spall, Sasha Baron Cohen. If that's not a list of actors, I don't know what is.
0: You know, sometimes actors. I do not make the film. I'm just going to... Tal-
1: a list of very talented actors there is the point I'm making. Along with the brilliant musical, music from Stephen Sondheim. What is what is not the love about this film? It's a big gothic musical in which it's everything looks gritty and dark and manky as Victoria London did. And we have... Johnny Depp singing while slicing the throats open of his customers and then grinding them into
0: pies and feeding them to the general populace. What is not to love? I have a list, if you want it, of what is not to love.
1: No, don't give me a list. We can
0: discuss it, though. I'm not letting you reel off point by point why you hate
1: my film, which which should win, by the way. I'm going to keep drilling this in. Mercer. Mercer looks like he's about to burst now.
2: First of all, I just want to remind you that a previous episode featured uh, a film starring Johnny Depp and an Oscar winner Charlize Theron. (laughs) A good cast does not necessarily, in the eyes of the other people, a good film make. Just want to lay that out
1: there. To be fair, that also had the problem with having an awful story, script, direction, art, di- direction, score, distribution, popcorn vendor. What
0: What's Sweeney Todd? A mu- a musical? Bef- like an actual Broadway?
1: Sweeney, yeah, Sweeney Todd is a Broadway
0: musical. Right, okay. That makes sense. Just from the way it plays out, it play- obviously it's a musical, but it plays out like it's been a stage play.
2: I would like to say this. You said Sweeney Todd. I own Sweeney Todd. But it is the first watch of Sweeney Todd. Um, I, my mum bought it me. She she used to like, go on a, a little mission and go around second-hand shots, Pre-Covid, second-hand shots, And find horror DVDs and then bring them, like, drop them off for me. And Sweeney Todd was included in one of these little parcels. And it sat on my shelf. And in theory... It sounds like everything I want in a movie. Like, I love musicals, I love horror, I love like <laughs> I do like Tim Burton, early Tim Burton though. Um and it sounds amazing. And it's got some really good songs in it. Like that hair elixir songs, really good. And that song where they're gonna they they come up with a plan to use the dead bodies to feed people. In the pies, that's really good. And the way he disposes of the body is that that looks really good.
0: I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree with you on the hair elixir part. I really enjoyed Sasha Baron Cohen's oh. performance. And yeah, look what he's doing. And I'll tell you, right? Okay, so uh, Mercer just flung his head back and is now clutching his forehead. And I can only assume that he is going to reference. What I referenced when I watched this scene, because, dear listener, not to sound crude, I'm a woman of nearly 40, but I could not take my eyes off his junk.
2: So that's not what I was going to reference. Right. What I was going to say... I mean, myself was, as was, a perv. It was very evident. that You could not not notice it. Not not. You couldn't you had to notice it. It was like thrusting your face. But...
0: And not in a dirty old woman way either. It wasn't like I was getting off on it. I just couldn't stop looking at it.
1: He just has exceedingly tight trousers in this scene, so you can't not know. So let's just, we'll leave that point at that. Obscene. I hated Sasha
2: Baron Cohen in this film. What? Is on the best So you know me, I've got an issue with accents anyway. So I know he's playing a character who's putting on an accent and it's meant to be fake. But literally the second he opened his mouth, I kind of like punched myself in the face.
1: <laughs> it's as Ellie just said, Louis. No, it's supposed to be completely over the top. It's supposed to be for these Victorian Londoners who have never seen these far away places with these mystical foreign gentlemen. So it's it's overplay this huge <laughs>
0: mystical foreign these gentlemen. mystical
1: mystical foreign gentlemen. That's what I'd call anyone now. That's what I'm going to reference that. We've got two non-UK-based films to come next, so <laughs> I'm going to you, expect that reference to come up a lot. Mystical Foreign Gentlemen. Mystical Foreign gentlemen. But anyway, the point is, so in that time as a con man, he would be over something, so he would go for that massive stereotype, shall I be a face, Joe Dolce-style accent.
2: I've bit myself having to listen to, you kind of <laughs> and I left dents in my finger that's i want you to know that to start with i also want you to know and i don't think i've ever read this i am bubbling inside with rage right now
0: what? and i'm scared to speak why why so angry? because i hated him so much i happen to think he was one of the best things about the film if i'm honest
2: it's literally the worst thing about
1: the film for me. Well, I, th- I think we'll have to agree to disagree over there because I don't think we're going to suddenly resolve our, our opinions on Sasha Baron Cohen. What you do have to agree on, though, is the sudden turn from the comedy and the that l- song and dance number to him having his face caved in when he goes to the confront Sweeney Todd... You know, in fact, that is a huge, that is a big tonal shift, and it looks brilliant when he attack that point when he just attacks him, starts battering his face in.
0: It it is Tim Burton's most horror film, I'd say. Everything, you know, like Nightmare Before Christmas, um, Edward Scissorhands. It's all gothic. It's all drenched in that, but it's not full on blood splattering, everything caving in horror. I think this is Tim Burton's closest to that that you will get. And, yeah, I I do agree that it does look ace when he's battering his head in. And and, and the the chair as well. The chair's genius, right? I mean, we said this. He should be a fucking engineer because who comes up with that that quickly and just manages to build a shaft right down the middle of the house? But what irks me about it is he chose to do it in front of a window where anyone could see. And he's, he's not just doing one person here, he's doing one after other, so someone's going to clock on eventually. Like, why does nobody realise that... It? Well, it's like that
2: film, what is it? Um, people go in, but people... Oh, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory! <laughs> you know, People go in, but people never come
1: out. Because <laughs> they they make the point, they do say during it, they pick, specifically pick people who won't be missed. People who are either... Have no family around there, loners, just people off the street or people from out of town who won't be missed should they go missing. And saying about Hannibal Lecter providing a public service, there's some and dance number where they're going on about who they should be killing and stuff. They're also doing service. They they don't just start they don't just start killing Willie nilly That's not the idea of it. Their idea when they do that is to kill people they feel deserve it and actually doing a service to the city at the same time
0: maybe sweeney todd but certainly not helena bonham carter because mm-hmm. she is just a wrong one
1: she is a wrong one. she's she is the real villain of the piece ultimately because sweeney todd is so blinded by his vengeance of judge turpin and getting that part of it out of the way she is the one who manipulates him by knowing his wife is actually still alive. She may claim, say, oh, I didn't say she was dead, but she definitely didn't tell him that she was still alive. And she's the one who's happy for him to keep having the body count mount up.
2: But she's also the one when he wanted to kill that small child who were like, no, 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 let's not do that. Like, I I need him. So she's got some kind of humanity to her.
0: I think that's just because she wants a kid, to be honest, more than anything. As we see with that huge fantasy,
1: I mean, obviously we have that huge fantasy sequence in the middle of it where they're on the beach and retired, and she just wants that whole... She wants out of the London grime and dirt. She wants just to be able to settle down on the south coast.
2: So just speaking of Helena Bonham Carter, who I think is actually really good in this film, another pro there, (laughs) but it took me, and I'm not going to lie, it took me about 20 minutes of her speaking to start understanding what she was saying. Thank you i could not understand a word
0: that first song she did i didn't have a clue what she was saying i, I was like what what are you singing right now and i said to chris well i think i need subtitles because i physically can't yeah. understand her
2: i was like i need away from putting subtitles on mm. um I, I was just like i don't like i just it's uh, the the accent was so affected like as a london accent they just took so much time for me to start registering it.
1: She does sing at um, a rapid pace as well. That first song, is there's a lot of words to get out, so it's more like a rap by the, time at the... It
2: won't cut it on the stage, though. It won't cut it on the stage if she did it like that, <laughs> let me tell you now. Um, but I do think her and Alan Rickman are the best things in the film. Um which is quite bizarre. I can't stand Johnny Depp in the film either. It just feels like it's a mix of Jack Sparrow, Alec, uh, Mad Hatter. Um It's just like a mix of all these other characters that he
0: does. But that's just Johnny Depp, isn't it? He's, especially in Tim Burton films, he's very typecast. He's, he's typecast in everything. He plays Johnny Depp in everything. That's
1: the, only, that's, that's the only thing, although I have no problem with his performance. When you've got a larger-than-life actor... At the, like Johnny Depp, you go, Okay, well, that's, that's just Johnny Depp doing yeah. it. It's like if you had Tom Cruise, if you stuck Tom Cruise in this now, you wouldn't go, Oh, he's sweet, so don't you? Go, oh look, Tom Tom, oh, look, it's Tom Cruise yeah. What's singing.
2: I'm not sure you would. Um, and Johnny Depp is actually a really talented actor. If you think of some of the other stuff he's done, like his earlier work, like What's Eating Gilbert Grape and things like that, he is actually really talented.
0: But where he is now is a superstar. So whilst they were doing those roles originally and we're having that freedom of playing yeah. indie films and whatnot, once you hit a status, like Tom Cruise, where you become a superstar, you are known as a superstar and that's it. In Pirates of the Caribbean, he's pl- even though he's a drunk pirate, he's still playing Johnny Depp because Johnny Depp is a superstar. Do
2: you see yeah, what, I, mean? what you're saying. I guess I guess it becomes a part in your career where you can actually just funding in your performances. Yeah. Because well, that is what people want and expect.
0: Not even necessarily phoning it in. It's just a public perception of that actor and what they're bringing to a role. So he could do a, you know, Oscar-worthy performance and people would still probably go, that's Johnny Depp. That's it. it's, it's, like,
1: it's like Jack Nicholson in Chinatown or when Fever the Cookies Nest, the Jack Nicholson rocking up now. It's super exciting. You know exactly what you're getting from him. You know exactly the way he's going to deliver every single line in a film and how he's going to appear in it.
0: But, you know, there are actors out there that come out and surprise you years later, like Michael Keaton, not to go off the subject, I do apologise, but like Michael Keaton were playing all these similar roles back in late 80s, early 90s, and then came out with fucking The Founder, came yeah. out with The Founder, came out with Birdman, he surprised you, and just brought this whole new level to him. So he can be done, and to be fair, Johnny Depp's probably the kind of actor who will do that in future.
1: I say the songs are songs are great. As we mentioned, we've all got our own favourites there. We do. For it, the deaths are great. No end of splatter. There is a lot of gallons of blood being uh, sprayed around the set.
0: I say if the uh, if the slit around the neck doesn't kill you, the four will. Except the Timothy spawn. <laughs> part man, part rat. Isn't Timoth- does Timothy Spall not remind you of a ra? It does, but do you know what he reminded me of in
2: this film? It reminded me of like an out of work, overweight child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> I I felt like that's how he based his character yeah. on.
1: <laughs> I see it. I can completely see that actually, yeah.
2: And i liked that actually. It it, it would be a bit bizarre. But it felt like it belonged in, because I could imagine, like, Burton remaking Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and having, like, that weird kind of, like, world with the king and, you know, the child catcher and stuff. So it felt like it belonged there, and I liked that.
1: Yeah, so I think we've given that a as reasonable a going over as we can, and Mercer's head hasn't exploded, so... Big tick, <laughs> not because I expected him to have an aneurysm by the time we got to end this, when he appears to be very much alive. So, just to sum it up before he says something else, so we can move on quickly, for me, this does everything I want it to do in a cannibal film. Yes, it's not your typical cannibal film, but we have people being ground into pies, we have people being eaten, we have Johnny Depp running around slicing the throats of those who have wrong, done him wrong, with blood spraying all over the place. We have spectacular musical numbers and a huge grimy, over-the-top Victorian London with spectacular direction from Tim Burton. And that is why I should get your vote for Best Cannibal Film.
2: Right then, so it's my choice and we're moving away from the kind of gritty, over-the-top, stylistic world of Burton into the really dark, gritty underworld of Mexico City with My Choice, We Are What We Are from 2010. Not the Jim Mickle remake of later years, but the original, uh, and as it's originally called, So Most Lucky High. Uh, And yes, it's a... I'm going to say, I think we've all said it, it's kind of like a different cannibal story, um, as in cannibalism is a theme, but the film itself centres a lot more on the family dynamic. So quick synopsis is we've got this family who, um, a poor family live in Mexico, uh, and the father passes away, and it's now up to the, the, the children, or at least one of the children, Alfredo, to kind of take on the role of head of the house and start providing food for the family except he's kind of a little bit dubious about it his mother's crazy and wants doesn't want him to be involved in this kind of thing at all he's got a brother who's just got the worst temper in the world and a sister who's very manipulative clever and probably should be the one who heads up heads up the family to be fair um, the side story is we've got a couple of coppers who are uh, dodgy cops, but they realise that if they can solve this cannibal crime um, that's happened, so just to cut back, the morticians found a finger in the dad's stomach and presented it to the police. Uh, initially, they want nothing to do with it, but now they're like, actually, we could probably get a little bit of fame and fortune out of this a la Clarice Starling um, that's exactly what they base the decision on uh, so they want to try and um, take them on again they underworld underworld cops who would rather not play by the books so yeah so it's just following the story of the family coming to terms with the death of their father and how to move on
0: She'd also probably mention that the family are under an impression that if they don't continue their cannibalistic ways it's going to break a ritual but I don't believe it's ever said what that ritual actually is.
2: Yeah so my belief on the ritual it's a question I ask myself when I watch the film every time this time I came up with my kind of scenario so this is a family that's been struggling and I think ultimately the the only way the father could come to terms to, to kind of like feed his family was to use one of his paws as the mother likes to call them mm-hmm. um, and I think in order to make it acceptable he's created this ritual of this is what we have to do to survive um, and by f- kind of feeding that message to his family actually eating human meat become less of a taboo and more of a must-do
0: but there seems to be a time limit on it as well because in the basement it's full of clocks and the clocks go off at a certain time indicating like in ready or not for example but if you don't do something by a certain time period something bad is going to happen and i'm okay not knowing that's fine it it just might be nice to know
2: it might be nice but i think the idea is that yeah we we don't know. We never find out, mm. and that could be a, a contention point for some people. Um, but I also think it allows us to maybe think and create our own stories. And sometimes I think we need that in films. I don't always want everything baby fed to me.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes,
2: like if you're watching like a, just a, a typical like a gore slasher film, I kind of just want every little bit of information fed to me. Um, but if you're watching something that's trying to have a story and a, a heart, and you know that they've got, to, you know, it's they've got to fit a lot in there, mm. then I'm happy for them to kind of sometimes leave things out for me to go, oh, I wonder, I wonder.
0: I do also question as well whether the family are actually family, or whether they're air quotes family that have come together because it's, it's reflected in the street urchin kids. That you see and the prostitutes where they are protecting their community and they're coming together to protect one of their own and i'm wondering if that's a scenario here because the brother with a temper for example he's got a wandering eye for his sister so it makes me think are they actually family or have they just come together to carry out this ritual
2: I do believe they are actually family, and that's a point that I picked up uh, watching the film, the, the relationships mm. between them. Um, I think they just don't interact very well outside of the family. And they don't, I think the only one who's really capable, who's really capable of integrating with society is Sabine, mm. so the, the daughter. Um And she's the only one who really seems throughout the film to have a focus. She doesn't break down really she doesn't she she uses everything that she's got to manipulate like her brother brothers into continuing the role and There's a point where she actually says in the film, according to Dad, you're the one who has to pick up the reins. I'm not allowed to do it, mm. but I can be here to help you. And she's
1: almost like the uh, like in my mind she she's leading that thought class. I f- I think she up gives, I think she's the strongest performance in it. She's the one major the major plus point for me is her performance for it as this as you say, this sly, manipulative sister slash daughter. I mean, to be fair, the female characters in there are actually the best drawn. They're the ones who dominate. They're the one because for, for all of their... Wanting to pick up the reins... And carry with their father... It's the mother who says no... And they're still terrified of her... Even at the end... When he pretty much forced it, He said no... This is how we're doing things... And she just starts slapping the shit out of him... And it's a case of no... She's... She's clearly the dominant one... The mother... Even with the father now gone... And she was probably the most dominant one... When he was alive to be honest... He was probably going out... Because she was like... Look you need to go out and do this... And then this daughter is just this intelligent, manipulative character. The guys in there are just kind of, basically, I want not say, put a on the wrong word, they're there to do what the female characters have made them do.
2: Interesting, because when I think about the mother and the way the mother acts, I, I, if there's, a, if there's a part of it that thinks that she's gone into mum mode, which is she knows how dangerous it is to go out there and get, the food and put it on the table mm. and she'd rather risk her own life to do it than watch her, her sons do it. So part of me thinks she's gone into mum mode, but then these things that she says, were, well, which is very much like, you know, she's not like a mum. She's a bit cruel
0: to them. I think she's a bit unhinged as well um, she... because what person would, you know... ...kidnap somebody and then eat them and then return the remains to her friends. <laughs> like, who would do that? They haven't ate the, the whore. Have they not? The oh,
2: doesn't. OK. No, no. They,
1: they just... The mother's te- just
2: beat her.
1: Yeah, right. that's why when they do that shot, when it, her face hasn't been eaten... ...when they do that shot, she's just been absolutely beaten to a pulp.
0: Yeah, but still, to, to return a, a dead person to the friends...
1: I'll tell you what, she has to do it, because they, the two guys, are fucking inept... That's trying to kidnap people.
0: That's
2: exactly what I've put. The film pretty much paints this picture of these two boys are not capable to look after themselves or their family. Like they failed, like the failed attempt at stealing a child. It's like, hmm, okay. And then when they go and pick up, when they go to pick up a street walker, they park down the road from a bunch of them and he hits her in the street. They've got the license plate, the car. He's shouting his brother's name. He's just like, everybody knows who you are right now.
0: It also takes him the slowest amount of time to get into that car after he's thrown it back. It basically has a dawdle to the front door. It's like, move, move your ass.
2: Yeah, he's he's got like no... It's almost like he's he's got anger management problems, obviously. He's got no control over his tempo um, and he loses it far too quickly. Mm like no so the the young boy who plays julian alan chavez actually died not long oh. after making the film um him and his friends went into a gunfight interesting that he gets into a gunfight at the end of this and he got shot by police
0: oh,
2: no. while trying to escape when he was 18. Oh. so the film's dedicated to him um but that I, I, I almost kind of like imprints because when you watch the film You've got this beauty, like at the mall scene. You can see that there's a, an element of wealth mm-hmm. there, but when it comes to where they live, you can see like everywhere's like graffiti it's, it's the prostitutes are on the street. There's homeless kids under the. They, they can see these like two sides of
0: Mexico. That's the, and, yeah. That's the thing, as it is with you know you as it is with Tigers are Not Afraid, as it is with like Parasite, you will always get two sides. You'll get the side that the tourist board want you to see and want you to pump money into. Into And then you get these people who are suffering and in poverty on the other side. And this film just nails the poverty aspect straight away. It's that, I, I mean, I, I won't lie to you Mercer. I'm going to be completely honest. I found, I found it a slog getting through the film this time. There's, there's bits uh-huh. I've picked out of it that I do enjoy, but it was very very slow, and it took some effort to get to end. But I think with the points you've said, it you know it does it does make what I was watching a lot more poignant rather than just the slow burn I thought it was.
2: See, it's really interesting because I was watching the film and it ended, and i was like, oh, like how long is this on for? Because I thought, I, I initially remember it feeling like a long film, but this like this time I watched it, I was like, it was done in like a, a, like a second. I'm like, is it only on for like an hour and 20 or something? I don't know how long it's on for. In two, it nearly
1: in like two hours, no, I think. No, it's five minutes. I oh, think.
0: is it? Okay. But yeah, I, I, initially when I watched it at Fright Fest, I remember really enjoying it. Um, mm. But I'm thinking I might have had a bit of, Fright Flesh, Fright Flesh, Fright Fest Influence.
1: Fright Flesh,
0: <laughs> Influence with it at the time, you know, when you're watching it with an audience. Yep. But again, it's, it's not a bad film, it just, it moved at a slower pace than I remembered it. Which
2: is fair. This is one of the films, um, of one of my films that I watched at Fright Fest. I fell in love with, I immediately, as soon as it came out, got it, and then never watched it again <laughs> for the fear that maybe Fright Fest was the reason why I loved it. Yeah. But for me, it's not. Thankfully. <laughs> after after picking the film, and then watching it, thankfully, I'm like, oh no, I do like this film. And then I started thinking, it kind of fits in with a lot of the films that I've picked, where we're, the the focus is less on like, the the cannibalism, it's there but it's this family breakdown and this family trying to pull together to get through the odds and, and things like that which for some reason seems to be one of my go-tos
0: I think all the picks for this episode have been that way um, certainly mine is more about character relationships as is Sweeney Todd I guess and the last one that we'll discuss is definitely about family but probably touches upon cannibalism more than what we've picked but yeah i think we've all gone that way
2: i think with this film as well it does one of them things where it's hard to to root for anybody like the only person that you kind of feel you can root for is the young boy he brings back from the nightclub Mm. because the family are obviously living this life where they're they're killing people um, even though, you know, it's become a malady to them, but, you know, it's wrong. The the people in the morgue are all about we only really care if... Like, we're we only reporting this because we think we can get some out of it. The coppers do the same. And then when the streetwalkers are trying to avenge the death of their friend, in order to do it, they want the cannibals killed, so they bribe the copper with an underage girl. Like, a clearly... Underage girl, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take advantage of this underage girl. I kill these people." You're like, "There's not a single, none of the characters are really redeeming."
0: And that's what you said, wasn't it? That it was you didn't really care about the. Ca- yeah, you, know, you have to
1: really care about the characters and why they do it, which is the issue I with the whole ritual part of it as well. Because while I didn't hate the film. I find it hard to get into and actually care either about the characters or, as I say, with are why they're actually doing what they're doing. So if you've not got an entry point into why you should care about a film, then it's hard to love it. I can understand the technical quality of it and I understand the performances from them, but I just didn't love it.
2: To be fair, Chris, I, I, I can appreciate um, your sentiments. I can see how... It's not necessarily a film that people will love. I don't think it's it's you know like you said it's difficult to care about the characters because they're not really good people. Um, even though I do care about the family because I feel like they were good people and they just hit they hit such a point that you know they had to do something. And that was probably especially for the children enforced upon them by the parents, so I do kind of care about them um, I also feel like the film's got an underlying theme of sexism in in the way that like I said before the the daughter wouldn't be able to take on the role as the family or even the mother mm. wouldn't the the, the natural choice would be one of the sons or the oldest son. But also when, at the end, when Alfredo kind of realises that they're going to die, so he he starts biting his sister's face to make her look like a victim. Mm. But just the fact that the police would instantly assume that because she's a young female, she is a
0: victim. And, yeah, obviously tying in with that as well, what you said about a, a young girl being offered up as payment and the way that the mother treats other women as well thinking that anybody who comes in is a whore sort of thing so yeah I, I totally get the the sexism part yeah.
2: so yeah and i will say as well i think one of my favorite shots in the movie i just have to say this because i like it is the 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 when the mother sat on the slide at the end after she's escaped and you just slowly see all the street workers Starting to come into frame, and they all just stood there in like a freeze frame, and you're like, oh, dang, you are dead. Like, there's, you are not getting out of this." Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, um, we are what we are. I feel like we've gone through it quite fast. I don't know if we have, but I feel like we have. But for me, we are what we are. Is is it's a cannibal film that's got probably a bit more heart than just your, your standard cannibal films. Um, it's, it's a story about family in turmoil. And for me, obviously Chris doesn't have the same opinion, but for me, that heart behind the film and that like want for the family to be able to succeed and, and get through this and come out on the other side is the reason why I love it. And I also think that's the reason why it should win because it has a lot more heart.
0: For our final pick, we are going with the listener's choice, which was a very good choice. It got mentioned several times, obviously, in the feedback, otherwise we wouldn't have picked it. Uh, We are going for 2016's Raw. Can I get a whoop whoop? You can get a whoop. You can get a whoop. Thank you very much. Um, Raw follows the story of Justine, who is off to veterinary school. And she's been a lifelong vegetarian. Uh, We learn at the request of her parents and she's carried it on. And when she does eventually get to college, she is hazed and fed a piece of rabbit. I think it's like rabbit intestine or something. Rabbit kidney. Rabbit kidney, thank you. Uh, It brings her out in a rash and she quickly realizes that she is allergic to it, but develops a taste for meat more specifically, human meat, and we follow Justine on this journey of um, meat discovery, I guess, (laughs) and just uh, just, um, how it pans out for her and how it affects her.
1: (laughs) In a journey across time, (laughs) in a land of discovery of meats. I make
0: it just sound, it it sounds like a a teen, a teen rom-com drama kind of thing, but no, very much not, not at all.
1: Justine can't eat meat Alexa, <laughs> eat stuffy but meat See how this comic pairing came along uh,
0: We do find uh, Not obviously if you haven't seen it We do find that uh, Justine's sister, Alexa Is also at the college she is at And she's part of the hazing group And she was until moving out um, A strict vegetarian as well But now also enjoys the meat
1: <laughs> As we all do
0: you so than others. Yeah, um, we saw Raw at Celluloid, and I really did enjoy it when I first watched it. However, I wasn't as blown away by it as some people. People were, you know, heralding it as the best cannibal film they'd ever seen. It was making them sick. It was gruesome, and I didn't agree with all that. I thought it was a good story, but I didn't agree with all that until the rewatch. I found some of the meat eating in this absolutely disgusting this time round. I couldn't stomach when she was eating her sister's finger. It just—it was icky and nasty and really put me about this time. I don't know about you guys.
2: I quite liked the way she would gnaw it on the finger, like like a chicken wing or a, a, um, a spare rib or something. It didn't put me about at all. It just, but like, I like meat.
0: Did it make you so...
2: It, it often watching people eat, even if it's human flesh, gets my stomach grumbling. <laughs> I don't want human flesh. Are
0: you Obviously,
2: sure? I ain't no cannibal. I'm no Jeffrey Dahmer, but um, you know, it just—it's anyone eating. It could be, you know, it was even like vomit. I'm like, oh, I'm me. Oh, uh, um, anyway, great. I also agree with you, fair. The first time I saw this, I was. Because I think some of the people we were with had seen it previously mm-hmm. as well. And the feedback was that it would be amazing. And I was I was expecting to be completely blown away. And like you said, be like, oh, fuck me, this is the most intense cannibal movie that I've ever seen. It's so deep and distressing and emotional. I wanted everything. And I kinda just went Bleh. Mm. Okay, it's it's good. Um, I I personally like was not shocked at all by the ending. I was like, mm. and can see it coming, kind of almost. Mm. It's as in you know the fact that the 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 medical school that they went to or the veterinary school, all the family have gone there, so it doesn't. It's not a stretch. To think that the mother and father have done the same thing, or at least one of
1: them, and it does, uh, and it does give you that foreshadowing right at the start when the mother goes mental over the sauce where the piece of meat was in that mashed potato.
0: That delicious-looking meatball. Because
1: it seems it seems over the top when she demand when she goes off to have a go at the woman <laughs> serving the food. It's like, well, this fucking Karen is heading <laughs> When you actually look, when you look at the end, of, maybe that's why all Karens are the way they are.
0: Cannibalism. Maybe,
1: no, yeah, maybe this is what happens when they don't get taken notice of.
2: To be fair, I don't really think she's a Karen for complaining about having meat in a vegetarian food. I said that. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you wouldn't call, uh, would call a Jewish person a Karen because he under a veggie sausage and got a pork one, would you? You'd be like, shit man, that is bad.
0: I referenced the time that Carl, Mess's partner, <gasps> um, had some mashed potato and there was bacon in it and he's vegetarian. A,
2: yeah, called kind of mash, which don't normally have meat in it, but we did. And we also ordered a margarita once and it came with um, oh, a, wow. a dried piece of Serrano ham in it. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl, Carl would be like, What is this? And I'm like, I think it's ham. <laughs> Why is there ham in my drink? Anyway.
1: Wasn't there ham Justin, in all drinks?
2: Justin would have loved a nice bit of ham in every drink mm-hmm. this year we're having the dirty bitch. Um so the film for me, Raw, just gonna throw it out there. It seemed I I enjoyed it a lot more the second time round. Gotta say that. I felt I felt a little bit more on side, not on side, but I felt a little bit more like invested. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, and I still don't get her descent into cannibalism.
0: Because I unless think... Unless it's she, inherent. Because, well, it, so might, like, it might be inherent, but I think a factor of it as well is she isn't used to meat, so she doesn't know what the bar is So when when she's like going for a sausage or a hamburger or something like that, she's trying it out. And I guess if it is inherent, as you find out at the end that they've been doing it for ages, then she's battling these cravings that she didn't know anything about.
2: I do just want to call you out on the fact that you said she doesn't know where the bar is. I think we all know that eating your sister's finger is wrong.
0: I meant in terms of how it feels to her, because I mean we don't we might like cannibalism we don't know we've just never tried human flesh. What if we what if we had a cheeky finger and decided it were for us? <laughs> <laughs> I love a cheeky finger. <laughs> <laughs> uh...
1: Any any anywho, Adi- in addition to the I was, with the cannibalism and the fact that they're at school, you can't help but notice we've got that whole animalistic nature of theme running through the entire film. Let's face it, when when they first go, I mean, there's a couple of other themes we could pick up along the way, but when they first go and they're hounded out of the room, at such as at stupid o'clock or whatever, when all the alarms go, all the lights start flashing, as they would do if you're in shelter in an animal barn. And then they're all herded into the lift together, all confined, confused, and then forced to crawl through that, on their hands and knees, through that pathway before they get outside. Animals don't get to go to a party, like they did, though. Animals go to slaughterhouse and die. But they, they didn't, yeah. Well, clearly the, clearly the director didn't want to go too far with the yeah, comparison, well, unlike some other short films. We are, we're,
0: not, we're not getting into that, Chris. That's not for now. That's not for now. But obviously they are, yeah, because they're hazing them and they are going to veterinary, veterinary school. I can't say that. Veterinary, veterinary. They're going to that school anyway. So they are hazing them with a theme. So that's why. I'm, and it's, it's extreme hazing as well. Like if I'd gone to college and someone threw my mattress out of the window, I'd be well pissed. I mean, I think I'd be more
2: upset someone trying to force feed my raw kidney or liver or whichever it were. I'm like... That's not, that, I'm not, he says that, but then he eats steak tartare and blue steak. So maybe I'm a bit of a hypocrite, but you know, and I think rabbit, mm, I just don't like liver or kidney. She, so maybe if it were, it smells.
1: Justine is, I wouldn't, I don't want to say she's pretty quick to give up on her beliefs, but she goes, she goes, there, she goes, no, she's like, no, I'm not eating it, And gets her sister over, And then her sister goes to shove it in her mouth. She didn't put that much of an effort. She didn't really want to go, okay, and just eats it.
2: Also, to be fair, she's not even chewed it before she walks away. If she was that against it, she could have just done a little cough into her mouth and held it in her hand and walked off and
1: threw it away. But then I suppose at the same time though, she's got there's that whole thing where she's just trying to fit in. Because when she goes to the nurse later, we have the whole story over the larger girl who just wanted to be average, and that also harts back Whoa we got a critique of the whole hazing thing. Let's face it, if they hadn't had the hazing, this wouldn't have happened. If they hadn't forced her to actually eat this in the first place, they'd have avoided all of this. So now we've got a critique of hazing. We've also then got that critique of people not reporting it, because let's face it, the nurses, when she asked why, <laughs> did she report she was like, well, no, why would you? Just She just wanted to leave it and just be average. And that danger of these not reporting these things on this university campuses.
2: There is no way, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that tutors are in on it all because the, the beds are out on the stairs of the accommodations for, for like, days before people bring them in.
1: Well, that, I that, must say. Yeah, well, that, I mean, it used hazing is something that used to be absolutely fine and commonplace. It's only after the, the, in the recent past, when they've started having fatalities from some of the stuff that's happened at universities, especially in the States, have actually now clamped down and made it illegal to do, per se.
0: But it's always been a big part of campus life, and they'll go, they'll go extreme one way or another, wherever you are. See,
2: it's interesting, the, the average thing, because she does say, when she speaks to that doctor, I want to be average. But I kind of feel, earlier on, that she almost thinks she's better than other people like she's got like there's a there's a scene where she's with her sister um and as the sister comes over and she's like i've just fixed a few things on your homework for you and the sister's like why what like what are you doing and it's almost like she just she's got this kind of i know a little bit more than you I don't know i felt a little i felt like she was a little bit pompous to start with
0: i felt that too and that's probably the influence of a mother because the mother's exactly the same where she takes the mash back and she goes leave it she goes no i'm not gonna leave it and takes it back and makes a scene about it so that's probably yes. what she's got from her and i think
2: I, the film i think has got some quite good effects like practical mm-hmm. effects so like the rash and the scratching that's that scene makes me feel sick yeah um Only because we've all done it where you've got that thing that's itching and you scratch and scratch until it bleeds. But like her entire body was all rashed and skin peeling and she's like proper clawing herself. That were a bit much for me.
0: It reminded me of the rash from cabin fever, which always puts me about, especially when in cabin fever, she starts shaving over it. That really, I hate that. And that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, the, the peeling was, the effects were brilliant. Like his yeah. leg at the end was <laughs> phenomenal. It looked incredible.
2: It did. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the effects a lot, and uh, I think I, I do. I do think the film's quite good. I think it's got some really tense moments and some horrible moments mm. and then some really bizarre moments. Like that, that. There's that moment when she's vomiting and she comes out of the toilet and then that other girl comes out and she's like, two fingers. Two fingers will make it come out easier, mm. yeah. or something. And then and she's like all smiles and she's like, I've done a really good thing by telling her this. And it's like, you're telling someone how to be a bulimic. Like, that's not a positive. But this girl's like,
0: I'm so happy about what I've done. I think that's maybe a reference back to the whole trying to be average sort of thing. Because she's obviously a bit of a chubbier girl. You can see in the face. And that's probably harping back to that. I'm just trying to be like everybody else. And if she is someone being sick in a stall maybe feel she has to comment to give advice so that they go, oh, she's a nice girl.
2: Hmm, maybe. Um, and then the way <sighs> there's that sex scene between her and her gay roommate in mm-hmm. yeah. which is quite an intense, I think it's quite an intense watch.
0: It is, because you, so... you think it's going to go... A different way to what it goes because obviously she it's her first time. She's Mm -hmm. getting really into it, but he's holding her back because of how forceful she actually is. It it almost looks like a rape scene, doesn't it? Yeah. Like he's
2: telling her, like, stop it. And I know he's telling her to stop biting it, but it's almost like the way he's pushing her off, you're like, just stop it. Yeah. And she's so animalistic and so like she looks scary. She looks really scary. Which again, is
0: that it, again, that's that's probably the inherent the inheritance thing. I'm I'm until I forgot the end. I won't lie to you. When I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I totally forgot this happened completely. So I was having those thoughts of is it the parents? As it was going towards the end, and at the end, found out it was. But I'm absolutely convinced now that everything that happens is literally from them. Because of the way that the you know, she obviously the mother's having a a little cheat day on the father every now and again.
2: What well, doesn't make sense though, is not does it make sense, but when I guess obviously she don't really want to say she's at a sister's finger. <laughs> but the parents must know that they're cannibals their children are cannibals if they've gone through the same education and hazing
0: process that they've probably gone through the mother doesn't admit to it the father tells her but the mother doesn't admit she carries on like everything is normal and to maintain that pretense I think that's why she has the dog put down so that if it ever came out and it ever came up in a discussion she would not admit that they are the way they are
1: I mean, he also, the dad also gives that warning when he says about the dog being put down. He says, once they've tasted flesh already, they're dangerous, and they'll do it again.
2: And I think it actually might just be a female thing, because he also says to her, don't have daughters. Yeah. Because they're just too hard to handle. So it might be like just a female thing, because not everybody in that school eats human flesh, otherwise there would be no one there. mm mm-hmm. The, um, I think one of my favourite scenes, and it just goes to show how sometimes, like, even with family, like, you can just be so fucked up and do really shit things, is when um, he shows the the video of his yeah. the, the sister, like, holding the hand going, bite him, bite him, and she's like, ah. Um, that moment, I was like, this is horrible. And then the fight scene afterwards, I was just like, they just eating each other yeah. <laughs> literally like just biting each other and like her sister's just shown everybody else at school that she's exactly the same exactly as Justine. Yeah. um but that there's that moment where the two boys are holding back and they're like rabid dogs um that's really good I, do you know the more i talk about it the more i kind of like
0: the film that this is exactly the experience i had with it when i watched it because I, I seem to think this is our third time watching it, and I'm not sure why. Um, I think I might have seen it somewhere else after Celluloid, I'm not sure. But it, it just really got me this time. It really drew me in. And I mean, that, that scene with the video, I felt so bad for Justine in that. She's humiliated, like, yeah. by her own family. That's horrible. It is horrible. But like you said, they're just both as bad as each other by the end. And, you know, you see... I mean the the stuff she the stuff that Alexa does to get meat and blood is fucked up anyway because she's killed people. She's actually caused yeah. people to die. <laughs> you know. Those car crash scenes are horrible. I wonder why Alexa's in prison at the end and not just Steve. Because she was the
2: one who ate the guy.
1: She'll yeah, she'll have taken the blame mm. essentially for
2: As a sorry for embarrassing her. My, I don't think anyone's going to fuck with a cannibal in prison, are they? They're not going to, like, try and force him to go down on a mother. Cause it's, it's, it might not work out very well for him. <laughs> no. Can I say, as well, I've just got to say now that I said good now, that bikini waxing scene, why do girls put themselves through what is evidently one of the most painful things? <laughs> when she's trying to rip it off and it's stuck, I, like... Do you know what you said, the finger eating scene?
0: Yeah.
2: Like was, that, that, That's my finger eating scene. I was just like, no, I don't, I can't.
0: When the pandemic is over, we'll take you for a, what is it, back sack and crack? The male waxing thing. We'll get you all waxed and you can see how it feels.
2: I don't have hair below my neck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you are just a floating head.
2: pretty much no i'm smooth smooth all the way down as Mm -hmm. everyone will know if you have a feel (laughs) i invite you all to have a feel
1: once the pandemic's over obviously social distancing still applies
2: exactly maybe by the time social distance is over i might have hair but right now you could you could wax me no right like with
0: table wax. We're going to move away from this now because it's getting all a little bit hot and sexy in here. Okay. So to summarise, um, I think Raw was an excellent pick and it is, it's is—it's probably on par with how I feel about my pick, to be quite honest. Um thoroughly enjoyed it myself way more than I did previously and I'll definitely be revisiting this one again.
2: And I just want to say that everybody who voted for Raw has just died a little inside when you put it on par with Hannibal.
0: I meant in terms of how my scoring will go. Oh. That's what I meant, you asshole. You smooth asshole. Oh, yes.
1: So that's it, I guess, for our film choices mm-hmm. and the public's vote. As always, we will open up the poll tomorrow for you to vote. Please do so or else we don't know who's won. <laughs> we don't get any vote. Please vote. Please let us know why you've chosen the film you've picked as well. And if my singing swung my pick, then please let me know. I'm after a recording deal. I'd like a Broadway girl. I've always really wanted I've always really wanted to play Seymour and Little Shop of Horrors. maybe this will be my this will be my entrance way.
0: Maybe. Maybe.
1: So poll will be out tomorrow. Please vote, let us know how. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at SpitGrades on both Instagram and Twitter. We're at I Spit on Your Grades on Facebook. If you still want to email us, if you are still doing it this far into a pandemic, please email us at electricpossums at gmail.com. And also, if you could really help us out, and if you do like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss any in the future. They'll just drop into you inbox for your particular player of choice.
0: So until next week, we will bid you farewell. Goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I feel you Joanna I
1: feel you
0: I was half convinced I'd wait Satisfied enough to dream
1: you Happily I was mistaken Joanna